A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello, and thank you for downloading this episode of Queer Talk. This episode contains discussions that some listeners might find upsetting. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Queer Talk, a brand new queer podcast. Queer Talk is a sibling project to For the Love of Queers. Here we aim to give a voice to queer people from all walks of life. Each episode will be shining a light and discussing some positive news stories about queer life. This episode will be interviewing Claudia on the need for LGBTQ inclusive spaces for those living with autism. I'm Mufseen and I'm joined by my beautiful co-hosts Spencer and James. How are you both? I had a bit of a wobble this morning, I'm not going to lie. A wobble? I had a bit of an emotional wobble. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Do you want to talk about how you wobbled? (laughs) (laughs) No, do you know what it was? So we're recording this the day after um, Caroline Flack uh, had been uh, announced dead. She took her own. It's really sad news. And then sort of like following on from that, and the two are not interlinked necessarily, but I was was scrolling through Twitter and someone had posted a clip from Lilo and Stitch. Stitch was being taken onto the ship and he turned around to this other alien and he was like, can I just say goodbye? And and the, the other alien was like, yeah, sure. He went to go and say goodbye and the alien then turned around to Stitch and was just like, why are you so into them? And, and Stitch turned around and was just like, they're my family. Like, they're small. They might be broken, but yeah. it's still good. And I don't know, it just it hit a nerve. And I had to go cry this morning on the sofa. Blah. And What a way to start a day. I know. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, Happy Sunday, y'all. I know. <laughs> but no, I think sort of like, I was quite sad because of the news of Caroline Flack. Because she, you know, she was only 10 years older than I was. And then sort of like watching that as well. Mm. Uh, watching the little like Lilo and Stitch clip. It just kind of got to me. So, like, for me, the first thing that I had to do was I just, I called my mum and I was just like, I'd been a bit of a dick to my mum, like, over the last week. Um, Parents, my parents anyway, are not great when it comes to IT. And so, like, they they wanted some help and I was being a bit of a dick about it, I won't lie. And I just rang her, I was like, I'm so sorry for being a dick. Because just, like... I don't like the idea of leaving a conversation, especially with people who are important yeah, to you, yeah. like on a negative note. So yeah. I called her and she was like, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like, I'm never going to get like angry with you. Like, don't worry about it. And then she continued on for like 30 minutes to tell me about all the stupid things that my dad does and why she <laughs> said he's a bit of a tip. But... So yeah, so I apologise. I'm not trying to bring the, the tone of the podcast down, but it was just like, I think it's important that if you're feeling some type of way, like let's have a conversation. Yeah, you should definitely yeah. share. And that scene in Lilo and Stitch is very emotional. It, it gets you going, doesn't it's, it? It definitely does. Yeah. That whole film just mm. got me like wrapped in, a, wrapped in a pillow in a blanket, just like, wow. A mess. This is art. <laughs> How are you, Spencer? Uh, I'm, I'm really good. I'm, I'm back in London, excited about recording and making this all work and... Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about what, what's next. Yeah, I'm excited. We're here recording episode two. Yeah, how are you, Mufsin? Oh, I'm good. Sorry. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I've just recovered from two days of being ill, so I'm finally collected all my energy back and in time for the podcast. Good. In our last episode, also, we mentioned about the Starbucks cookies and the fact that they've made these mermaid cookies and a donation from every purchase of the cookie would go towards um the mermaid's charity mm. now we have tried these 
they're quite fabulous. Would you not they say? Were I really like them. They're really good. Yeah, um, we still they're, have... they're a lot bigger than I expected. So um, this is not good for an audio, but yeah. if you can hear that rattle, that's what that is. That's the rattle of fabulousness. And we did record a YouTube video of us basically trying them, along with some other biscuits. So that should be up in a couple of days, hopefully, after the podcast itself. Um, it's a very British video of us, <laughs> of us trying biscuits and cookies with tea uh, in my living time. room. <laughs> but we got to try the cookie, yeah. and I, I just really liked it. It was really good. It tasted so, amazing. Like, good cause, and it tasted good as well. Yeah, I was, I was just sold on the glitter, to be honest. I didn't even care what it would taste like, but it, it, was, it was very good. Mm. It's very sparkly, and again, when you're, when you're giving to a cause... And getting a sugar rush, you can't really complain. Absolutely not. I'm curious how long it'll take for them to get to their target. Did they have a target? They pledged a hundred thousand. Oh wow, okay. Yeah. And fifty p from each cookie. I, I'm not. I'm not. Oh, do the maths. Come do on, maths. finance. Come on, finance. <laughs> we need, we need a calculator. <laughs> <laughs> so let's have a look at some positive news stories this week. James, what do you have for us? The new story that I've looked at this week is the first same-sex couple to legally tie the knot in Northern Ireland. Um, they finally married um, because the ban on same-sex marriage has been scrapped. Um, so uh, Robin Peoples and Shawnee Edwards of Belfast made history by getting married at 2pm on Tuesday, February the 11th. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, um, same-sex marriage uh, was not legal in Northern Ireland for quite a long time. Uh, so same-sex marriage was legalised in Northern Ireland on the 13th of January 2020 and basically this was um, put forward by the uh, UK Parliament, the UK Government. The change to the law was basically an extension of the same-sex marriage bill within the UK, so for the other parts of the UK, Wales, Scotland and England. And basically there was a condition that was put forward uh, when this was voted through the House of Parliament, which was that if the Northern Irish Assembly or the Northern Ireland um, Executive were not back together by the 21st of October, that this would automatically come into law. Unfortunately, or fortunately, depending on how you want to look at it, the uh, executive did not get back together by the 21st of October, and as such, automatically, this came into um, law, and it took effect, as I say, on the 13th of January. So I think that's amazing that finally, I know it's taken a while, we're 2020 now, but finally we can say that all across the United Kingdom, you can finally get married. Yeah, I mean, it's a long time coming. How do you feel about marriage in general, Mufsin? Like, what's your viewpoint <laughs> on it? <laughs> just, just, just like, how do you feel about marriage? Like, yes, I want a mother. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to pop out my ring. <laughs> no, I think um, I think it's important that everyone has the right to get married. Um, it's an, obviously an option. It's not an option that people in Northern Ireland have had. And we talk about how we want everything to be equal. Civil partnerships wasn't equal to marriage. This is why we needed same-sex marriage, equal marriages. And you also have maternity leave, parental leave. Gay parents don't get the same amount of parental leave as their counterparts. There's still places legally and in employee rights where things still need to be equalised for everyone. And for me, it's you can have a kid, you can get married. These are all options, but we should all be able to have the equal opportunity to live our lives in those different ways yeah. that we choose to. Mufsin, your story this week is... So Philip Schofield came out on this morning in a very vulnerable way. His co-presenter talked about how brave he was to be coming out publicly on social media and on the TV show. 
it's very heartbreaking to see a middle-aged man who has been in the closet all his life coming out at this uh, time in his life. I think what I speak for everyone in this room, uh, we do a lot of LGBT awareness, act, uh, activism, because we want people to be able to live their authentic life. Um, so when I do stuff for LGBT charities, I want everyone to be able to live how they want to, love who they want to, and the last thing I want is for someone to live in their closet, in the closet, uh, and not be able to be their authentic self um, and just live a happy life. So seeing Philip Schofield come out was, you know, I was happy for him, um, but also at the same time sad that he had built a life with a wife, kids, family, um, and at no point in the thirty, forty years that he felt comfortable coming out and being himself. Um, especially for someone with such a high profile, I feel like it's great that he has now come out, but if he was able to live a more authentic life in the beginning, he could have helped a lot of people on their journey along the way. Yeah, and I think it's important to know his, how high profile he was. Like He's yeah. one of the most well-known male presenters within the UK. Yeah. And yeah. the, the programme you're on about there this morning, so for anyone who doesn't know, that's like our sort of like daytime talk show, sort of like magazine show, I think that's probably yeah. the best way to they describe it. Every day they interview people about their real stories, uh, about their lives, the struggles. And he was saying in his coming out interview that he sees these brave, strong people talk about their stories and he sat there thinking about how he's gay in the closet and doesn't feel like he is strong enough to come out and be honest to the public because he's so high profile. Representation in TV is really important and we have gay presenters already like Alan Carr, um, Graham Norton. Rylan Clark. Rylan Clark, yeah. And we have lesbian presenters like Sandy Toxvig and... Claire Balding. Yes, Claire Balding. (laughs) So we have a range of queer people and there's always more space to have more queer presenters on TV so people can resonate with different role models and have their voices represented and heard. Um, so Philip Schofield coming out is kind of just another presenter who can show like the breadth of queer diversity on TV. I think I think it's really important. What what was nice I think to see was um, he he came on and we obviously always see him presenting and he was sat on the other side of the sofa yeah, and yeah. that that was what kind of highlighted the vulnerability. Like I I got a flood of messages from like family, friends, people on For the Love of Queers, like, I'm crying. Um, I don't know why I'm crying. Like, it's just, you know, another coming out story. And I'm like, no, this is someone that we know and love Mm -hmm. who's wearing their heart on their sleeve when normally they're in the, you know, they're on the side of kind of strength and they've got the power. And now he's, he's let everything go and he's, he's coming out to us. Like, this is, this is crazy. And it, it was really emotional. And obviously, you know, TV is TV. And so that will be what it is. But, um yeah for him to share that and definitely this is an experience I think particularly us as younger people haven't seen or heard as often and it definitely needs to be highlighted you know there's there's a lot of you know people in their 40s 50s even older that are having experiences that we don't worry about because they don't affect us so it's it's inspiring uh yeah and wouldn't it be great to live in a world where coming out as a public figure isn't so controversial? Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't the headline of most yeah. of the newspapers. It was everywhere. It was massive. How much of that was because he has a family? And I think that's something to think about as well. So for the, the sort of, to balance out the argument, I guess, is just like, 
that's going to be tough on his wife and his kids. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. And it's like, I think that whilst we should definitely not um, underestimate how brave he has been yeah. for coming out at a late period in his life, it's like, I'm hopeful, and I think, again, I can speak for the room here, I'm hopeful that, you know, people also offer support to his wife and his kids. Because yeah. yeah. that is a massive change. Because he mentioned about the fact that, you know, his wife had known for a period of time and the reason why he didn't come out again as you say was because of the fear and the stigma and you know all that jazz so it's yeah just i think it's important to make sure that his wife is is kept in thoughts when having that kind of conversation and like yeah. balancing it out yeah definitely and you use the word brave and i probably use the word brave as well people call me brave when i talk about my story um and i've said it in the past in tweets uh, I wish it wasn't so brave just to talk about my life. Um, and brave is not a word that was used when Jamila came out. Yeah. Uh, and that happened in the same week. So it was really interesting to see that big contrast between how her coming out as queer and Philip coming out as gay got very, very different um, reactions from people. Yeah, so you're on about to Jamila Jamil. Jamila Jamil came out as queer um, in... Not a very well-timed way. Mm-hmm. And she admit that. Um, so she was called out for being a judge on a ballroom show. And ballroom is a culture um, that originated in New York in the black and Latino community. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, people saying that she didn't have a space in, on, on a show like that. And in a, in a long tweet, she said uh, that she's queer. She's always been part of the wider LGBT community and... Her being on the show is a way for her to use her following as a window into that culture. Response she got was very negative. It was a backlash to saying, you know, you can't take up spaces for black queer people. And it was so different to how people treated Philip. I think a part of that is because she came out as queer while still in a relationship with a man. And that probably confused a lot of people. And maybe people felt that she was using it as a card to counter the you're not allowed to be in a ballroom show. Yeah, it was slight, it was slightly more controversial because of timing and people people always, you know, jump on the bandwagon assuming they know where she came from, why she did it, just because timing's bad to take away the authenticity of the fact that she was forced into a position again because of the media. You know, let's go back to this this story with Caroline Black, you know. Yeah. These the effect that has on people is intense. So yeah, as much as we see a strong independent woman that's being really successful and and making a platform that helps people it's interesting to to see the the backlash from the media because that the effect that can have on people is is incredibly dangerous i think it was a completely different situation philip had the power he chose when he came out and he he prepared an instagram post and he he obviously managed to prepare the interview on tv and he was somewhat in control of his coming out jamila whilst she had control because she you know said it out loud herself the, the timing was forced and it was rushed and it was a bit of a backlash to some something else and and as a result people you know people jump on it either side of the argument and it, and it becomes very controversial and I think for me if if I had came out and there'd been this huge reaction it's it's so damaging because that's going to scare a lot of people into not coming out it's really interesting to see how the press or social media treat um, women of color like Jamila compared to a white man like Philip Schofield, calling him out as being brave, despite the fact that he's got a wife and children, and then 
kind of dragging Jamila through the mud, despite the fact that she has a very supportive boyfriend who knew that she was queer. And for me, like these are two coming out stories happening to two pro- high profile people, but we just treat them with very, very different standards. At the end of the day, queer people of colour will always be treated differently in the media. Yeah. Spencer, what's your story? So my story, I took it from Gay Times. Um, the NBA star Dwayne Wade um, had a really great response to his daughter coming out as trans. Um, and it was just, it was super inspiring to read it from start to finish, um, the story, because it's something that I... I'd now kind of have this expectation that parents really should step up their game and and really look after their kids um, when they're coming out. So Dwayne and his wife, um, Gabrielle, release a statement saying, like, we take our roles as parents really seriously. If our child comes to us with a problem, it's our job to educate ourselves on the problem, provide feedback, provide, you know, advice, and really support them through that. And I was just like, wow, like, I'm sending this to my parents, like, you guys need to, to do the same. And, you know, if, if we lived in a world where every time something that we didn't understand, we did a bit of research and tried to give a, you know, an informed opinion back, the world would be a completely different place. Mm-hmm. Their daughter, Zaya, came home and... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And was like, I want to be referred to as she, her now. I want you to call me Zaya. And that was that. They were like, that's fine. They, they, they went away and figured out what transgender, you know, meant and and what she had experienced, they were like, you know, for now we are your voice, but the older you get, you will then be that voice and, you know, you're going to inspire a lot of people. So it was really nice to see they wanted to be a part of her journey as well as just really support her privately. So, yeah, this response to parenting as a whole, I think would have served me really well um, when growing up. I remember being told all the time by the adults in my family, like, listen to me, I'm a grown-up, or, like, I'm an adult, so I'm right. Mm. And so, as a child, trying to kind of fight against that, I would always find gaps in their knowledge or try and, like, prove them wrong or try and be like, well, actually, you're an adult, but you don't understand. Um, and I think it's really it's really important to to be aware of that. Um, as, you, as you both know, like, I have my cousin here with me today, and for a lot of things... He, he comes to me, he's like, oh, did you hear about Trump? Or did you hear about coronavirus? And I'm like, but you're nine. Like, when I was nine, I, I, I don't think I would have picked up on these things. And he's like, oh, everyone in the playground, like, we all laugh about Trump and we make jokes. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, 
okay, so nine-year-olds are invested in politics now. Great. I mean, not invested in politics as such. They, but, they know about but it. But he, yeah. he knows the names and the dates. You know, he was telling me about all kinds of things that I have to read up on to make sure he's he's telling me the right information. And it's like, okay, he's nine. And, um, you know, particularly in the world of TikTok and stuff, I already feel behind... I'm only 21, but I already feel behind. Like, there's a next generation coming up with new technologies, new ways of finding information. So um, to to see parents support their child like this and, and really keep up with, you know, trans, trans isn't new, but pe- a lot of people are still trying to get their heads around it. And to see them just jump straight on board, serve, you know, serve their daughter well and really make, really make light of the situation. That's why I picked this story. Yeah. I think also it's about allowing... or. or parents allowing their children to uh, be able to express themselves rather than kind of making sure that the parent has gendered the child or, um, you know, you are going to be this and you are going to be that because I have said that and boys like pink, sorry, boys like blue and girls like pink and all that kind of stuff. It it does feel like that kind of uh, modus operandi, is that the right phrase? Like that kind of idea is slightly outdated. I think as parents you have like an expectation of what you want your child to be. So when your child doesn't like blue or doesn't like pink, instead of saying, no, you need to like pink or you need to like blue, you need to go away and figure out what that actually means. Yeah. Um, and then to kind of summarise their, their views and their support, they've, they've made a line of inclusive T-shirts that they're selling and um, Gabrielle released a statement saying 50% of the proceeds will be donated to the GLSEN organisation mm-hmm. who strives to ensure that schools are safe for people of all sexualities and gender identities and to make light not only of your personal family situation and to, you know, to, to express that publicly but to then do something and give back to the community to make sure other kids in this situation will be looked after. I, think, I find the whole thing just is really motivating and inspiring and it's it's great to read. We always talk about creating safe spaces for LGBT people uh, and actually one of the most important safe spaces to have is in school mm-hmm. and at home yeah. with your parents, your family. Um, and this is why like, that story about Dwayne Wade is so... Like, it really hits the point there. It's like all parents need to be educated on LGBT inclusivity because... Otherwise, their queer children won't feel comfortable coming out. And that's how we start creating safe spaces at home. Talking of safe spaces and making, um, you know, LGBTQ spaces accessible and available for everyone, we're going to interview Claudia Collette here, who uses her platform and voice to create collage art, often of a political nature, but also she brings light to the idea of navigating queer spaces whilst living with autism. Hi, I'm Claudia. I identify as an autistic woman, a lesbian and a queer. My pronouns are she, her. So I'm a gay, Muslim, brown person and I have all these identities and hearing you say that, I feel like Sometimes some of these identities are more pronounced than the others at certain times. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like being a female, lesbian, autistic, do you feel like all those identities are on the same level? Um, okay, so I think my identity as lesbian and queer always feels like the most heartfelt force. Mm. Um, the only thing that plays it down is that it 
feels like a really long time ago that I came out, which was nearly 10 years ago. Yeah, but all that pain involved with expressing that part of my identity I've got through. The autistic part of my identity feels very surface right now. I'm still coming to terms with accepting it and growing into what autism really means for me. The way I live my life has always been informed by my autistic mind. I just didn't really know a lot about it. I think... Really, it's just a different lived experience for every individual. But what we share is our responsibility to grow together and find out more about our mm. identity and our similarities and, and our differences. Yeah, and uh, with your autism, did you know you were always living with autism? No, so I've, yeah, I've only found out in the last year, so... Still very new. Still very new, uh, but I always thought that there was something wrong with me, like I was weird... Uh, a kid so it's it's actually really re- relieving to know that it's just my brain is a bit different I feel like I've had to come out ag- again you describe yourself on Instagram as both an artist and a community worker can you tell us a bit about yeah. that yeah okay so you basically just summed my CV up really and if only self-description was that easy being an artist uh, it's a long process it's a bit like baking yourself into a loaf of bread and then eating it it's a constant consumption of the most delicious part of yourself Uh, But when the good parts are eaten, you have to start kneading yourself into dough again. My community work is mainly based around making the arts more accessible on the ground and in the community and utilising the privileged parts of my identity to build bridges and pathways in order to redistribute the wealth that should be to the community. Amazing. So so in terms of... If you're trying to create something, how, how does that process kind of start for you? So it, it starts from the ground. It's all, it's, uh, it's all very groundwork. I'm very lucky to have contacts in the community with routes to funding, with, yeah. with routes to getting spaces and getting things done. Um, I've worked in support work with people with a range of disabilities. So I have contacts through those means. Um, through doing local political work, uh, I found out kind of demographically where the poorer parts are. So it's, it's all about connecting these things together. And with my, with my arts training and arts knowledge, it's just about feeding those through the bridges and the paths, really. Amazing, amazing. And, and what, what role does your autism play in that process? I would say my autism informs every part of what I do. I just didn't know that it was informing sure, everything sure. I, I did. And like the more aligned I live with that, the easier it's, the easier it's becoming. My autistic mind can be hyper-focused, which can be really useful um, when I've got a goal or a project to do. Um, but equally, if I really dig something, I have to hold myself from, back from digging it so much because I can get very obsessive about the project sure (laughs) yeah Yeah. I think um we often you know hear of autism and and equal kind of parts of ourselves as holding us back or you imagine Mm. that that it's something that would restrict you from certain things and obviously it can but do you 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 just explained you know you didn't pick up on that but you always are driven and forced to do certain things yeah so I think I've been really lucky in a way to not I've realised about my autism till later. I've learned a lot of social skills through all the social people around me. But actually, if I align my, with myself more, I do struggle with the um, more normal, normal in quotation marks, um, ways of socialising. So that um, that kind of gets in the way, um, I guess, um, 
with the way I work, but... And have you been to any events recently where your autism has played as a barrier to socialising or getting your creative work done? I find that being autistic in a queer space can be difficult uh, because it's it's socialising, isn't it? You're being put in a situation where you're socialising and you want to be able to access what the space is offering, which is usually a safe space for you and your fellow queers of like to socialize together and I think as a uh, as an autistic person not like there's a, there's a few there's, there's a few things about socializing that don't really stick well with me like I don't really like being crowded um, I don't really like the strobe like kind of setting I don't like lots of people talking over each other I can't like hyper focus on something so uh really it's it's like the the queer club scene it doesn't feel very accessible more than more than a lot of a lot of lgbt events are drinks focused music focused exactly yeah which is difficult yeah i think in london we're a little bit more privileged because we have a wider range of events totally go to yeah but I still find that finding those quieter events is just a little bit harder absolutely yeah I'm sure if I um lived in London there would probably be some hidden little uh lesbian bookshop somewhere (laughs) (laughs) which would be lovely but I know certainly in the town where I'm from um there isn't a gay space at all we've got Oxford Mm. but yeah it's just it's only club nights uh, I think there's definitely much more of a market for sober and quieter queer yeah. spaces. Not not just for people who who are autistic. For for, for anyone, like it's it it will be useful for all of us to be able to socialise with each other without the influence of alcohol. What would be your ideal spot for you to spend time in and feel comfortable? Oh, that is such a good question. I think as a queer space, if I'm for me, if I'm gonna be able to feel comfortable to chat to other people, you know, have intimate conversation with them. I'm thinking really, really comfortable seats that you can melt into and maybe spaces that close off the sound a little bit or, I don't know, some kind of futuristic uh, VR set that you can sit put on with your date and, like, transport into, like, a, a quiet zone. I don't know. I, I'm imagining... I'm imagining Black Mirror right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe, it maybe, maybe it will happen in the future. But uh, I, I guess uh, I quite like uh, sitting down and being able to focus on on a, like a person if I'm going to be able to properly yeah. communicate with them. And I think that's really hard if it's if there's not a quiet space in the queer space mm. so yeah maybe just a comfy nice sensory little area you're not bombarded by loads of other things yeah, yeah totally and like it doesn't i don't think it needs to be just for autistic people at all like i'm sure having a quiet space could be really beneficial to anyone trying to get through an entire event that you're going to because yeah. that's what often scares me off going to events is like the whole longevity of the intense kind of sensory processing all the noise and visuals and change i guess guess what we all want is just a queer event where anyone can go and not feel totally uh like they can't go because of autism because of you know xyz yeah and also feel like they can go and stay for the whole the The whole whole event event. exactly yeah because i think something that's really intrinsic to being autistic 
is experiencing a meltdown or a shutdown, which is often by caused by sensory overload. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really unavoidable. Even if you go and you don't drink and you've you've had food and you've had slept well and all these things, like it can, you it's it's quite it's, it's a constant learning curve of watching working out what triggers you. And I think just having a less sensory space to be able to calm yourself would be really useful for yeah. autistic people. You you mentioned that you've been you've kind of been aware of your autism for for around a year. How how long has it taken you to like get this kind of checklist of what your requirements are or what what would work best in in a certain situation? You know how how long you know there'll be people that haven't worked that out yet. Um, I think this entire time, <laughs> like, I've been really lucky to have uh, a a really close mentor where I'm from who is also autistic. So. I've been able to talk this through a lot yeah. with someone, which is great. I, I'm not sure if I'd be able to figure it all out on my own. Do you find, obviously, having these conversations helps kind of with self-discovery and learning methods and techniques and stuff like that to, to live with it? Absolutely. Like, thank God for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I um, would have really struggled if there weren't people reaching out, and I think it's been a privilege to be able to express myself on the internet and have other people reach out to me all of these conversations all the conversations that you have that aren't with yourself are building bridges aren't they so Mm, absolutely that's what we need to be doing all over queer scene build bridges sure Claudia, I think you've really opened our eyes to to a lot of things, and you've oh, you've, you've cool. given us a lot to think about, which which is exactly why we do what we do. Um, so I just want to say a massive thank you for coming and joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for travelling across what seemed to be the entire country <laughs> just to get here. Um, we we you. appreciate it. It's it's been a great it's conversation. Been an honor. It's been so lovely to have you here. Yeah. Thank you so definitely. much for having me. And that, everyone, is the end of the second episode of Queer Talk. Thank you very much for joining us. Make sure to follow us on socials to keep up to date with what we're up to. On Instagram, we are at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are at queer talk underscore. Wrapping us out is Claudia. Until next time. Bye. Actually, autistic adults fighting stigma in their minds, feeling lonely all the time whilst fighting stigma for the youth, all searching for the truth of the doc's forgotten books. We'll keep posting about our lives, showing you that we're alive, not just alive, but we will thrive and survive. Even if you only study men, I have my own zen. I make my own toys because I don't need boys telling me to destroy not just my existence, but my diagnosis. Your text is hocus pocus. You say it's only guys with autism and that I don't have empathy. You say we won't work, so where's your remedy? And what's this part about, I won't have relationships? How can it be? I'm a poly comic strip with a job just waiting to be read. Fuck your intersections anyway. Doc, you say the same thing on a different day. You need a new book, take another look, see the words in my eyes. It says I'm fine. Look at me. Can you read? Is it true? And you're going to watch us come through. For anyone affected by the subjects talked about in this podcast, please contact the Samaritans on 116123 or the LGBT switchboard on 0300 330 0630. Thank you. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 